0: Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Rick. And this is Season 4, Episode 7 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, which is slated to come out on uh, July 5th, 2021. So this is our 4th of July episode. Not really like we observe a lot of 4th of July, but I think our, our uh, drink of choice may be a little 4th of July-y, maybe. Um, but uh, today we got some good stuff to talk about. And um, we're going to talk about the Shandy Carob. It's a 0.9% alcohol by volume, lager beer with lime. So it's really not an alcoholic beer, um, or just less than 1%, um, which is interesting. Um, But uh, I thought it sounded about like a summer drink. It's very highly carbonated. Um, yeah but uh what what do you think ricky
1: it's really not too bad i kind of like this i mean you're right that it it doesn't taste like you kind of expect most candies to since most candies are a little bit more alcoholic there's like a bit more of that beer flavor in them but uh it's a very nice kind of like live and limey citrus drink it kind of reminds me of yes what what i think traditional sodas tasted like like before, we took the alcohol out of them, and the only way you got the carbonation was by fermenting with them. Right. Like maybe this is what lemon lime soda, like this is what Mountain Dew, would be a hundred years ago, sort of thing.
0: I could see that, yeah, or uh, Sprite or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean, this is a
1: very sugary drink, though. It is, yeah. It's very soda-y in that yeah. in that kind of sweetness level.
0: Yeah, it, it it I mean, it's it it clearly has a little bit of an alcohol flavor to it. Um, it says lager beer with natural flavor and caramel color. Um, carbonated water, beer, sugar, natural lemon, lime flavor, citric acid, and caramel color. Interesting thing, not really my, my jam normally. It's a little sweeter than I like, but if you like sweet stuff, I mean, it's definitely a refreshing something to kind of check out, especially when it's cold. I don't know if you got yours cold or not.
1: I probably do yours it's only going to be in the fridge for about 20 minutes. But uh, you're right, and it's not its not what you expect when you're, like, going in for an alcoholic drink. It's a little bit too on that sweet side. Um, but this is like a, hey, you going on a picnic? Or, you know, you shouldn't, I don't think you can drink on the beaches, but maybe if where you're from, you can then yeah, throw this in the ice pa- in the ice cooler, you know, is that sort of drink. You know, you use it in the same place you would like any of those lemon lime, citrusy sodas. Right. Yeah.
0: De- definitely. Um I th- I mean I think if you wanted something that was like a Sprite or um a seven up kind of alternative that had that kind of flavor. It it definitely has the shandy flavor too. I mean it's it's like lemonade uh, mixed with beer you know it's got a lot of those it just it's not um it's it's very sweet it's got a lot of sugar in it <laughs> yeah i probably won't be finishing my whole bottle uh, just because i don't really want to
1: go into a diabetic coma yeah know. this thing tastes like if you would let it ferment and dry it'd be like seven or eight percent
0: right right um so, so I, I, I think probably what they did with it is they brewed a very low ABV beer and then, uh, you know, just kind of crashed it and stabilized it and then uh, mixed it with this um, like lemonade thing that they've they've made to, to be able to create the flavor profile they're looking for.
1: Yeah, I could see that. They made something that was really going to be probably three or four percent in a light beer and then just mix that in with whatever this you know, citrus drink thing is.
0: Yeah. So speaking of citrusy drinks and pools and refreshments and things like that, it's uh, Fourth of July in the U.S. Uh, for anybody that might not listen, you know, to to us from the U.S., the other people that do will know. Uh, but we we generally observe if it's a weekend day that the Fourth of July. Um, happens we observe it like the day after uh so like for us it's like on a on a on the 5th that we're observing it um but uh i am not planning on doing anything i might go to a local pool and uh and swim for a bit but what about you you got any plans for fourth of july
1: yeah we did uh whole family's getting a little sick they so probably not anymore but before we were gonna go to uh one of my wife's friend's brother's house. He's out um, in the country right now because he does a lot of international work. and uh, He has a pool and some stuff. We're going to do a grill out. Um, last year with them, they owned a little bit of farmland. We went up and like saw their horses with the kid. Uh, I don't think the kid's probably into it this year. so We will probably uh, get some hot dog hamburger stuff just make it here. Kind of just relax. Maybe drink some of these now that I've got a six pack of them.
0: Maybe drink, drink a few, right? Um, so let's talk about the Focusrite 18i8. Um, so that's the, uh, our, our last four episodes of Beer and Broadband recorded on that. Unfortunately, I couldn't figure out how to get it to work properly with uh, um, Discord for us to, to use it uh, this time. I think there was some issue. Maybe I didn't install the right driver or something like that. Um, but uh, so, tell, give me your impression of it. Um, what, kind of what you think from a person who I don't think really like deals with or knows a lot about audio interfaces, other than kind of what we, you know, started. Yeah, with. Uh,
1: I am certainly no expert or in any way educated on the matter. Um, but it looks real nice. And we've listened to some like samples after recorded it, and there is a significant improvement in the audio. So, thirdly, yeah. doing its job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really um, it really makes the the audio uh, just sound so much more. I don't. I don't know. Like like a broadcast. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we're using like um, you know because because of you not feeling well and everything we're you know distance apart and we're using um you know like just kind of headphones and the mics that are built into it so this the recording just won't sound nearly as good but that focus right man it just it makes it so much easier and we can have we have uh eight instruments or head or mics or whatever plugged into it and record all of them mm-hmm. it's really really nice we probably don't need more than four but yeah. So um, it's a very popular device too for people to use um, for broadcasting or anything like that. Um, so especially if you like streaming or something like that, you have multiple mics or uh, if you're recording, you know, audio and video at the same time. Um, I have I have that other channel that I do and for, um, a, a youtube channel that i do it's not really another channel but uh yeah and, and I, I use it for that too um and it really makes a it makes a huge difference on what you can do and what audio you can pull in and things like that with it so it's, it's pretty nice um yeah I, I i just thought it'd be a nice thing to talk about since we Recorded last time, we recorded with it, people could obviously hear the difference, and then we could kind of say, this is what this looks like, um, mm-hmm. and and how it sounds and everything. So let's talk about hopping mead. Um, have you ever tried to hop a mead before, like put, put some dry hops in it or something like that?
1: No, not personally, but I mean, there's no reason you shouldn't. Uh I treat it, in my mind, I have not done it, but I would imagine it works the same way as you adding any other herb, right? Like, when you're using, like, dry hop pellets, that might get a little different. But if you're using, like, fresh hop, there's no reason it doesn't work the same way as any other plant you put into it.
0: Well, I'm specifically talking about, like, the the pellets that you'd use for beer um, or dried hops that you would Mm -hmm. uh, drop inside of the... The mead, so I I have this like you know on that other thing that I do, I have a, um made like an experiment where I was seeing if it made a difference with just from like start out for like a couple of one gallon batches if I did a sprinkle versus a um, starter uh, for my yeast and because the wisdom is do a yeast starter. Uh, and I mean, there's some things like legit, it helps the colony to build better. You know, it, it gives it kind of a kickstart to go, but as far as like speed or taste, it doesn't really seem to affect anything. So the, the sprinkle versus yeast, um, starter, uh, was just an experiment that I did. And so I've got all these gallon one gallon batches. I was trying to do something with it and I mm-hmm. took one of those orange blossom honey. Um, batches and put some pop pellets in it some just uh you know yakima chief uh i think it's p53 pop pellets into it mm-hmm. and um yeah man it it really it, so i understand why people would have done this to like really sweet things um i i personally generally don't like hops too much uh, I, I like them, and they, they're they're necessary, like pepper or salt, to be mm-hmm. able to balance the flavors of something, but, um, like, when it's really, really hoppy, it just, it's not my, not my favorite thing, um, so I, uh, having that put into the meat, I was kind of expecting it to be something that, well, I'll give this to other people, but now, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it kind of, like, gave it, like, a creaminess, and... Uh, some other stuff like that, and I'll go like really into depth and and like how that affected the mead from one uh, from you know putting it in till uh, I took them out. But um, yeah, it just uh, was a really interesting thing to do. Okay, and I think I, th- I think people should uh, should try it if they're gonna if they're gonna brew like maybe hopping a wine or hopping a mead and see especially if it's a sweeter one that maybe is a little cloying that can pull back some of that um, that, that sweetness to, yeah. to make it a little bit more balanced.
1: Yeah, well, I can definitely see that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, whether it's, it's fresh or dried or pellets, it's just another herb that you're putting into your brew. As long as you like those flavors and can account for those flavors in the recipe, no reason not to, because you're right. You know, when you go to the historical argument like, Man, people used to really do this very heavily. Um, That was generally like for preserving, because you know that's where the IPA came from. Um, The reason that one's so bitter and so hoppy is they like doubled or tripled the amount of hops they're putting in to help the alcohol stay, you know, preserved on the trip all the way to India. So, you know, are do some people like those flavors? Sure, yeah but they're no longer the kind of like necessity for shelf life. You know, we're not putting this thing in a barrel and taking it on a six month journey. You know, if it's four or 5%, it's in a can or a bottle that's sealed. It'll stay pretty well in the fridge. You don't have to worry about that sort of stuff anymore. So, you know, just put in what makes it taste the way you like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think I I think it's a good experiment to do, too, because if you have, like, a one-gallon batch and you've made, like, you know, two similar wines or meads um, or even beers, playing around with different hops is a great way to, like, kind of dial it in and get a better product than maybe what you'd get just by default. uh, Yeah, the
1: the way hops are now. I mean, it's almost like like we've cultivated all these different types of grapes for their flavors and wines, and people have really cultivated a lot of different hops, get different flavor profiles. I mean, one of the the beer stores I used to go to, they had fresh hops. And it was they had like 50 or 60 of them. So this is a whole room just dedicated to fresh hops that you could go in and put in your beers because so they all had different flavor profiles to different things. You know, there's a lot of like room for experimentation and fun there.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about total wine. Uh, and how it's using instacart to deliver alcohol now so um yeah i know we both have used it in the last couple of days uh before at least in north carolina you had to um get alcohol either by having uh, an order over a hundred dollars and then they would deliver to you or uh you had to like do their pickup service or something like that it was kind of kludgy um and instacart's not wonderful it's kind of expensive and it it has like some extra stuff that um doesn't doesn't really make it always viable but in a situation like uh what both of us are in where i'm having to take care of uh, a dog that needs like pretty much 24 hour attention and you're having to um do do like uh some family stuff and take care of your family you know because of illness it's it, it it in our situation is really useful right um, oh yeah but, yeah, yeah and, and being able to do it right from the right from the website was pretty awesome so kudos to Total Wine to stepping up and kind of becoming part of the online delivery game um i don't know yeah, your was- your experience seemed like it was pretty good too right
1: oh yeah it was super easy i mean the fact that i could wake up this morning and be like okay i'm not feeling super great but i could probably still record to then see that the rest of my family was sick, so whatever I have is contagious. And just like have to back out of that and be like, oh, okay, well, what are we gonna do? And you just send me links to stuff on Total Wine, toss in the cart, got it delivered same day before we did the recording. Um, and I, I'll say this: I do like that the Instacart they're running is simply the delivery service. I've got a big problem with like the Instacart, it, like it takes over the website, and you go to its Instacart version where everything's like. Increased in price, and then you still have to pay a delivery fee, like all I had to do with total wine was pay the delivery fee, which was like seven bucks per ten day delivery uh, and the minimum was no longer like a hundred, it's only twenty five bucks so but I' got like an extra bottle of wine with it, and boom, there you go.
0: exactly right um, it's it's a pretty good experience, so um, the uh yeah I, I mean. I, I kind of fumbled through that. I got distracted. <laughs> um, but the uh, the total wine delivery, if it's available in your area, um, you know, definitely a uh, step up. And, but maybe they're only doing that here in North Carolina because they can and maybe in other areas they're using some other service. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe. Uh, Who the delivery person is may change by location. But uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's the default or maybe I looked at what a total wine one time wrong and it messed up my cookies or whatever, but it thinks I'm in California. So, yeah. Uh, it's the
0: same thing with me. It says by default, I'm in Sacramento. Which
1: yeah. I everything in my cart and stuff as if I was in California. And then last minute was like, Oh wait, that's not right. And set delivery with the right address and boom, it just worked. Yeah.
0: Same thing. Same thing with me. Um, you know, it, it just worked uh once I moved to the right address. So uh did you get a chance to check out sixty eight K dot news and frogfind.com? Yeah, I did. I did. I saw those in the notes. All right, so um give me your impressions of them because I I I don't know I I've given you no uh context for it really.
1: I think if you are are one of the people that has one of these like really old machines that you don't want to update or can't update because of what it is, um, it, it is useful. I have a little bit concerns about the security of it. But at the same time, if you're actually only going to it on those devices, the I just don't think too many people are doing like scripting uh, back to Netscape Navigator, you know? So you're probably okay. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily recommend going to these sites heavily if you're on like a modern machine.
0: Well, so this is actually what this does is this pulls um, just normal. So 68k.news uses Firefox's readability um, uh, plug-in. It's it's just like an open source framework that you can use to – uh, strip out like images and stuff like that from a website um, and and like JavaScript and all that other stuff. And then um, it, um, what it does is uh, it sets you up to have just the text. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the there, there's some other scripting that's been put into this to take away some of that, some of the other things that a website may have in it. So like JavaScript and stuff like that, right? Um, and basically this guy from Action Retro is a, like a YouTube channel. He's, he just created this to be able to use if you've got like an old Apple IIe or something like that. And you wanted to be able to get on uh, the Internet as an experiment or for fun um, or something like that. And it's kind of the same idea that websites like the old Internet um, or the old net, I'm sorry. Uh, do uh, so. These are like actual like routers and stuff like that. You're going to their website. It's just uh, their website with none of the um, none of the plugins and, and and scripts and PHP and and everything like that. That's just the HTML and the text and that's it. Um,
1: yeah, I so... mean the, the bigger thing I was more worried about is just like there's no sign certificates here. It's all HTTP. And a lot of like, yes, we're using plugins to generate it. So it's definitely safer than if someone just like was doing it by hand. Uh, You know, there's none of the modern like protection systems in here. Like you can open up one of these articles, go and actually look at the site. And it's 15 lines. I mean, I'm looking at one right now. They're just taking all that text. They're reading it in, just putting it in this great body. So, you know, again, like it's not, it's not dangerous. In the sense that, like you, I would tell people to avoid this site, but it wouldn't be where I would get that news. As opposed to, like, if I had a problem with, like, you know, like who's the it? Like the Reuters guys yeah, is the first one here. If their ads were really bothering me, I I throw on like an ad blocker to be able to take advantage of the HTTPS and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well, that that's not the purpose of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not, it's, it's yeah, not, that's it's what not
1: I'm for a, a new it, computer. Yeah. It's if you've for, got the use case. Yeah. If you got the use case, it's good.
0: Yeah. So, so it, I mean, it legitimately, though, just is is a pretty fantastic project, I think. Um, uh, I was uh, just interested in it. And, you know, I have things like older computers and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, that I, I monkey around with on a pretty regular basis. So uh, I thought it was pretty cool just to have around and to know about. And Frog Find is a way to, Uh, search the internet and look for websites, you know, kind of the same way. And then it just displays it to you, um, almost like a proxy, uh, the same way that, that 68k.news does. So, uh, the links for those will be in the description. If you're a person that does like, um, any sort of computing, in a like, uh, retro sort of way, and you want to be able to do things like, um. Search for muds or find BBSs or something like that that you can take advantage of. This might be a way for you to do it if you're not, you know, already familiar with other ways to do that. Uh, yeah, or if I you mean, just want to be able to read the news, you know, on on those old machines, it'll, it'll set it up for you.
1: Yeah, in all honesty, I mean, like you got a machine that fits the use case. This is a great tool to have. I mm-hmm. knew a, a guy in college. Um, he wasn't a student; he was a professor, but he had a. There was old, like, the green screen, all-in-one little PC thing that uh, took the big floppy disks. He had games for it he, he, <laughs> in his office he put in. And it's like, yeah, he can't really do too much. Um, I guess I'm seeing that old really doesn't help you too much either. Those weren't very internet-heavy machines. So you're, like, a little bit newer than that. You've got, like, a legacy machine for purposes of, like, you know, the software you want to run incompatible anymore. You want to play those old games that haven't been ported and things like that. Well, you know, now you can have a lot easier time, at least getting some internet connectivity, you know. You get some things. Because I know, Uh, uh, like, the reason it doesn't have HTTPS is I know old machines can't always do that. But, uh, you know, you can look up your cat pictures or read your news. That's the first thing I text on uh, the frog one, frog finds and typed in cat. (laughs) Took me right to it.
0: So, So I love how, like, you know, I can give you, you know, this is a Commodore. This is an IBM, you know, uh, Model Two, or you know, something like that. Which I have just butchered that, but you know, like I, I know, I know what those those computers are. And you say it's an all-in-one green screen. <laughs> you can
1: tell that we're from different eras of the computing age. <laughs> oh yeah, I just um, never knew which uh, no. which one his was. I've had, I've had yeah. my my hands on a fair number of old computers, just generally not personal ones. I missed that. It was like my dad didn't really buy a lot of computers. But when I was doing the independent contracting, one of the services I offered that, that people took up on a lot was disposing of old machines. And you'd be surprised to how old some of the stuff you can pull out of these companies are. you know, Oh, yeah, we had this in the, the early 80s and 70s. You know, I, machine brands that I didn't even know were real. And you look them up and it's like, oh, yeah, that was another one that got completely obliterated when IBM hit the field.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, IBM that was the like really the first. is was like Apple and IBM like were the the real first personal computers. Um, and then there were IBM clones, of course, you know. So, um, but yeah. So I think that's the end of this episode, unless you got something else to say about uh, about any of that.
1: No, I'm good.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank, you, thank you so much for watching. We appreciate your uh, your time. We have links to our social media and, and some other things down in the comments below or in the description below, um, not in the comments because, you know, we don't put links in the comments, but <laughs> we have links in the description below. We'd love for you to uh, visit, you know, either our Patreon or um, our Twitter and connect with us through that. Otherwise, this has been the 4th of July episode for 2021 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time.